Okay, happy Circuit Python Day, everyone. Yay, blink it, blink it, blink it. Eight, eight. All right, we're here with Lady Ada, Scott, and me. And Blinka. Today, <laughs> this is part two of our, our special Circuit Python Day broadcast. We have Scott here, and we're going to talk about. I want to bring the Blinka over. Yeah, Blinka's over there. Um, we have a Blinka up on the, on the screen yes, there. Yes, yeah. it's right yeah, there. Yeah. Um, we were going to talk about the history of Circuit Python. And, yeah, and you did a talk too. I did about this. So let's let's quickly do intros again. This might be the first time someone's watching sure. one of these videos. Lady Ada, me, Lady Ada. I'm a lead engineer and hardware designer here at Adafruit, which is where we're broadcasting from. This is our factory in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. so. I'm Scott. I'm project lead on Circuit Python. Worked for Adafruit for three years on the project. All right, I'm managing director, and I make sure these video broadcasts are going out correctly today. Sure. <laughs> so, all right. So let's uh, first start out. You did a talk at PyCon. Yes. And this was... PyCon um, 2019. Yeah, this was the Language Summit? The Language Summit, and which is about 50 of the core devs. Okay. So those are the people that work on CPython, and then yeah. kind of some few other people from core projects, including alternative implementations of okay. Python. And for the folks who don't know, like when they hear Python and they hear CPython, what's the difference between the two? Uh, C Python is is the Python that you typically use on your desktop. Okay. Um, written in C, which is what. Written uh, in C. Got it. You could you think never of talk, you never see that part. You never yeah. see the C part. So so, you could think of Python as the language itself, uh -huh. of the like, what does it actually look like and how does it work, and then C Python is like, the canonical implementation of it. It's the one that Guido. Guido created when he created Python. Got it. And when um, someone says something's Pythonic, they mean it's sticking to Python. Yeah. Closely. Like, like CircuitPython circuit is very Pythonic. Right. right. So Pythonic means that like the way that the language was designed and meant to be used, like the way you're using it matches those goals. Yeah. So right. if you learn if you learn Python on a desktop system, yep. you can use Python on a microcontroller when you yep. use CircuitPython. Or and vice versa. And vice versa. Okay. So this talk was what? So this talk was uh, the you. I applied to go to the language summit. It's a private thing. There's not a recording, unfortunately. Uh, there is a recap on the blog about it. There, they had somebody there that did a really good recap, um, and the idea was that you would have ten minutes to present and twenty minutes to take questions, actually, from the core mm -hmm. devs. And so I was coming into this being like, these are the core influencers for the Python as the language, and they, a lot of them work on the C Python implementation. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get CircuitPython into their brains and blow their minds a little bit about how small these devices actually are and how quickly you can use Python by using one of our yeah. devices. I've seen that experience where uh, seasoned Python engineers right. will look at this and say, like, oh my gosh, it's like it's, it's, it's Python on the device that shows up as a USB drive. Like, mm -hmm. what? Yeah. What? How did I not know about this? You know, right, and the thing is is that like we're all busy. They're core contributors to a very popular project, right? Like third most popular language in the programming language in the entire world. Well, right. Actually, depending on who's who's keeping track of it now. So yep. it's either number one or going to be number one. Yeah, or it's, it's not, growing. Yeah, it's it's, it's right. going so fast. And so day to day, the last thing they're going to do is look at another implementation of Python. Yeah. Yes. But here I was, I applied to have this slot 
that was allocated for them to ideally pay attention to what I was saying. Okay. And so this is like, okay, given 10 minutes to a bunch of core Python people, what are you going to tell them? Okay, so we're going to basically redo this talk right now. Sure. I was in a video. <laughs> so I took your slides exactly the way they were. Here's okay. Python. Yep. Here's you. Yeah, <laughs> so we did the intro stuff. Um, and I'm a freelance software engineer, so I contract on CircuitPython, and I'm paid to work full-time by Adafruit. I talked a little bit about what Adafruit is. So Adafruit uh, has its roots in Learn Guides. So teaching people how to use the hardware that Adafruit produces is core and key to Adafruit's philosophy. Um, and then I think I left it at that. Like our, our teaching is core to the philosophy. Yeah. Um, and next I did a demo, and I, I don't actually have it set up. <laughs> we can explain um, what it was. Yeah. Well, like, what, what did you have? So one of my philosophies is, like, I want to get to the demo really early. Like, yeah. I could tell you something, like I'm about to tell you, <laughs> or I could yeah. show you. And, and, and for these folks, I wanted to show them how easy it was. So I took a Circuit Playground Express because we gave it to everyone at PyCon. I actually brought 50 with me because yeah. I, I asked them, like, how many people are going to be there? And I was the first person after lunch, so I actually let I put it out on on the tables with them. So everybody actually had one in their hand at this time. So they're like, "Look, here's a Circuit Playground Express. I plug it into my laptop. Now you can see that it shows up as a Circuit Pi drive. There's code on here, and you know it's pretty dim. And I want to just make it brighter. That's typically what I do. Is I find where you're setting NeoPixel brightness. I edit it with one hand and a Control S, and everybody sees it go brighter." Yeah. Right. And and that simplicity and that speed just blows people. That's the demo mind. that I do where I just change one one thing and it changes the yep. color of the yep. circuit playground device. And maybe I'll show REPL or maybe I'll show something else. But right. that's the first thing because right. that that's so magical if someone just has a coding background. Yep. Never they're just like, Oh my gosh, I thought that was impossible to do. Because mm -hmm. they probably had a bad experience with electronics yeah. in some way. Yeah, and I also wanted to encourage them as Python developers to, to start thinking about how they could get quicker into the Python experience on a desktop and things like that yeah. as well. Okay, so uh, then you probably then talked about yeah, the so origins the, of so the, the The proposal I made was to give background on CircuitPython, and, and so I said, like, okay, well, we actually started from this other project called MicroPython, created by Damian George in... 2013, mm -hmm. I believe. I have a blog post because I confirmed it. <laughs> so one of the things that I've tried to do during this whole MicroPython, CircuitPython right. experience is uh, work with Damien to support his efforts, but also to help document it. Right. And I have, he sent me the timeline yep. of everything. So we, we the, it's, it was recently the sixth anniversary of MicroPython. He yeah. had some code that he didn't commit. It wasn't really called CircuitPython. Then there was a Kickstarter and then a bunch of other things. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, so, so we have a good we have and we helped out with the Kickstarter as well. Yeah, so we have a for sure timeline from the right. creator because I thought that was a problem because right. if ten years goes by, you start to like miss emails yeah. and like yep. to, where did I put this file? Yep. And so it is six, but it's about six and a half years old right now. Right. Awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to give that background and I wanted to give that credit and and I made the point that like a lot of what makes Circuit Python feel like Python was done by Damien in these early days. Like he did a great job of getting Python feeling like MicroPython looking and feeling like Python on these embedded devices. Yeah. Specifically the microbit was one of the things that got MicroPython 
in, yeah, in the early days. That was mm-hmm. one of the things that he worked on. Yeah. Like he kind of saved the day. <laughs> yeah. Because they had wanted Python on it and like the person who had told them originally they could couldn't manage to do it. Yeah. And, like it was all just happenstance in the UK that like all these people were like literally neighbors. Yeah. yeah. And made it was it like work. down the street, like and, at the pub. And like, the BBC yeah. they got out about a million of these units. And yep. then later on, um, Damien uh, started his hardware company, George Robotics, right. and he has uh, he did a Kickstarter, and I yep. think that's the board that was yeah. So this is ones. the original Pi board, and this is this is how he got funding. Is he did a Kickstarter once, and then he did a second Kickstarter for the ESP uh, eighty two sixty six, which I think is where you were more involved because he actually had the feather be the like canonical board for that yes. Kickstarter. Yes, um, because they're like they need an eighty two sixty six board, and we're like, well, we have we stock them right. All right, do you want me to keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. Okay. Um, And so when I was approached by Adafruit to work on MicroPython, I knew that this was, Arduino was Adafruit's background. And Adafruit had a playbook in my mind. Like, it, I didn't really know you at the time, but, uh, like, I, I knew... We're very open, so... You're very open, and I've been following just watch our shows along. and, like, look at the yeah. blog, you can kind of figure out what we do. We kind of do the same right. thing over and over. So, <laughs> so, so Adafruit built on the platform of Arduino and made all of these breakout boards with all of these devices and made good documentation and good drivers that was all open source and freely available. And, I, and so when we were taking MicroPython and bringing it to this board, was one of the first boards we supported, the Arduino Zero, um, I knew that when we were laying our foundation, we would have to lay a foundation, actually, quick to the next slide, because this is where we have the breakout. Um, I knew that we would have to have a foundation where we could build drivers that would work across all the devices that this code ended up on. Yeah, and that's something that MicroPython um, wasn't really ready for yet. It wasn't a focus of theirs. Yeah. Um, partly, I think, because Damien's focus is on his hardware. Yeah. So, like, the STM32 stuff is definitely the best supported. And they're, they're trying to get to a world where they can have a uniform API across all their devices, but they're not there yet. And so that was one of the like key technical things that I wanted to that I knew we needed to do yeah. with our version of MicroPython. And you, and this is just my observation of watching you work. You did a ton of really challenging, hard, complex things to make it so easy. And that that's not the focus of the MicroPython project. No, it, it the, is more for advanced. Right, users. their audience is different. I don't yeah. even. What's the next slide even say? I can. Uh, Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So what we would end up with is we would have this model of like we're going to have a lot of small libraries that people. Yeah, can and use. I think I even talked to you and I said one of the things that was more important was like you're like well what should we implement for Circuit Python? I was like well first off get you know get a UART or a REPL going, right. and I said digital I/O and then make sure you can like blink LEDs and read buttons, and then I think a second thing I said was like well, we have to then do I squared C and SPI because I. The thing that was I was actually struggling with, and I was, I saw very far in the future was, um, you know, we already had Python libraries. You'll talk mm-hmm. about this in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Python libraries for Raspberry Pi and single board computers, but right. there were more and more single board computers being made. Like the Raspberry Pi was the most popular, but there's like like a hundred different boards. <laughs> and I also wanted to make sure that whatever we did, hopefully, would mesh well with that. Right. So it wasn't ending up maintaining two types of right. drivers because. Right. The, the mass amount of work that we do here is driver writing. Right. And when we do tutorials, tutorials are really just examples for the drivers, right? Like it's, right. it's you know, we're not, we do guides about like basic electronics, but a lot of it is, here's three boards that we sell, let's make a project out of them. Right. But to do that well, 
the drivers have to just magically work. Yeah. And there was no, there was a couple of people who had tried to do like a universal driver library function, but they ended up, they were, you know, the problem is it was like it would be, you know, Bosch, but they'd only care about their drivers. Right. Like each company only worked on their own and right. none of it was, it was all these little silos. <laughs> so there was no unification right. for making them all work. Like what would it take to make a hardware API that worked with all of them? Right. But and I was like, I was like, let's do this ahead of time so we don't regret it later. But also <laughs> to your credit, like y you had existing Python libraries and you didn't force me when I was laying out those APIs to go with that, right? Yeah. Like you gave me the freedom to learn and experiment. And I started with MicroPython's machine API. And as I looked at that, I said, this is actually not what we want. The, the machine API in my mind was designed to mimic or generalize the way that a microcontroller works. Yeah, how and, does a timer work? How does a register yeah. work? Yeah, and, and then you put those pieces together and I was like, this is not actually what we want. We want, I want to be able to do this thing and that's what you do and it doesn't matter how you want it's the actually result. implemented. You want to read an analog ping. Right. You want to send an I2C transaction. Right. And actually that's one of the things that Arduino did very well. It's actually quite powerful. I mean, Arduino has the wire library. Is it perfect? No, but right. it does it well enough that it covers pretty much every right. option out there. Right. And it's getting better and better. So it's like, I knew the power of if you did have a good hardware API baseline, right. it would unlock everybody's ability so that Arduino is now ported to like dozens of microcontrollers. Yep. And you know, there's ESP32 and the STM and the SMD and the AVR, and our drivers actually continue to work. If they're well-written, right. the drivers yeah. should work we're, from place to place. We're still the top library contributor for Arduino, probably always will be. But one of <laughs> yeah. the things that we, we did like is when we started working with you is we got a little bit of a do-over with, okay, if we, how could we make it the best possible experience? Right. So from, the, from not needing an IDE to the way it shows up as a drive and yeah. it just restarts and runs mm -hmm. programs. Because we, I remember, I remember Lamore being wary about the auto restart. Yeah, like all I programmers want. are initially like, "Why are you automatically doing something for me?" Like, yeah. I want control. And and I was like, and I remember being like a little nervous and 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 thinking like, I'm not sure about it. But then, I was like, "Well, I'll try it." Yeah. And then I was like, "Wow, this is like the best thing ever." <laughs> and then, but the other thing is, is that you did it in a smart way. To your credit, like normally people like auto restart. I mean, well, you press reset button. I was like, "Well, wait a minute." Like yeah. your USB device disappears, everything freaks yep. out. But the way you did it, it's actually like a soft reset where you mm -hmm. retain the USB state and the, the drive state. So it's actually this very like, it's kind of magical. Right. Like it's like people don't realize, like it seems like it's doing something not very complicated, but anyone who actually knows That's how like saying, it's so USB state machines works are like, wow, this is incredibly complicated yeah. to make it look so, so simple. So two examples yeah. that, that I remember having the same neurons firing when I tried it for the first time, and I go, oh my gosh, this is so cool. The <laughs> last time I had this exact same like technology, like trying it the first time, was when um, I went to the keynote in Apple, uh, that Apple had when they launched the iPod, and I got to thumb the, wheel. Thumb the yeah. wheel. I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, this is really cool, because I can navigate so much, like it yep. just makes so much sense. And the, for those who don't know, it was literally a wheel that yeah, moved. Yeah, it was a wheel, but it was, <laughs> it was so much different than interacting with well, it used to be like a little button that you press yeah, and you press tick, tick, and yeah. you press, but this was so it was like, much. Better. And it was so much fun to use. The other time that I had the same exact feeling was when I installed Dropbox when they first started out. I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm fi finally, I don't <laughs> have to like, like set up a weird thing to keep backing up my files. And I'm just like, neat, I just toss it into a folder right. and it just works. Yeah, that, yep. that magic is what's, it's very important, yeah. but it's so much, there's so much technology. And I remember first, when we first heard about Dropbox, I was like, well, that's never going to work, because how are you going to synchronize? Like, it's <laughs> like, you can't do that. Yeah. But they figured out how to do it. Yeah, the entire cool. company at Adafruit was running on my Dropbox account for a while. We're now Dropbox Enterprise and everything, but we only need one account. I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> All right, so let's keep moving here. So, so yeah. So then this happened. We were talking about Raspberry Pi, and uh, we knew that we, our goals with CircuitPython were to be C Python compatible. We wanted to ramp people from CircuitPython. Like, they would learn programming with CircuitPython, and, but be able to grow into C Python. I think one of the desktop things that, Python. Yeah, it was the U time the that killed Pi. me. Because it was using MicroPython. Yeah, it drove me nuts too. It drove me, and, and I, I totally understand why they did yeah. it. And I don't, I mean, this is not to in any way diss MicroPython. It makes total sense why they did it. Yeah. But the problem is, is that I had a blinking LED guide for Raspberry Pi that used time, you know, time sleep. And then I was like, oh my God, I will have to have two versions of every code. And that actually, to yeah. me, I was like, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have to write every example twice. And to their credit, they made U-Time available as time. But yeah. they also, the, the thing that I was not a fan of was that they would add other stuff to U-Time yeah. that wasn't in time time, like CPython's time. Yeah. And so like I was- I, It's I, just I, diverging. Right, and like my philosophy, if you want people to go from CircuitPython to CPython, is you've got to make sure that everything you provide on a module in CircuitPython is available on that module in CPython. Yeah. Um, and if you're adding extra stuff like that, you, that doesn't work. Probably have to call it something else. Yeah, I, I didn't yes. want to get, I didn't want to get to a spot where we're telling people, here's how to use time, and then here's how to use uTime. Here's math. Here's uMath. Yep. Like it could never end. So okay. Yeah. So it sounds like we so, got we got to a point where so we want to do something the, a little bit different. So that, yeah. means, that means it's time to fork. Yeah, well, the other thing I like to f point out is that like I had already forked, right? Like I forked the moment you asked me to yeah. do it, right? That's when I hit that, the fork that, button on GitHub. So it used to be you'd register a domain name, now you hit the fork button. That's yeah. when you're like, yeah. I'm well, starting. Well, this is the, so the real point, right now. the real point was when we made the domain name. Like yeah. that was, we had a discussion about renaming from Adafruit MicroPython. We did like a couple releases as that. Yeah, and but then like, we actually we did. We can't do that. I, I think thought it was it would you be struck, confusing. You struck in you actually were like, from 1.0 to 2.0, you're like, I'm, ch I'm changing them back to struct. And so right. it, we yeah. had to, you know, we only had like 10 yeah. drivers, so we had to go through and, and fix them all because we liked using struct in, in time. Um, and, and I remember you were like, okay, it's actually, it's now diverging enough that code is no longer compatible. Right. And we wanted to, and people were getting confused. They're like, I'm trying to run your driver on yep. MicroPython, yep. and it's saying no such thing, right. no function. We also had or a completely different focus. Yeah. And uh, that's actually the next slide here. Yeah. The, the beginner. Yeah. The beginner's mind. Right. And that's, that's a great term, and I'm, I'm totally sold on calling it beginner because it doesn't say anything about how old you are yeah. or what your background is. Right. It like, could be you're an expert web developer, but you're a beginner at hardware. Exactly. Right. And, and, and it also embodies the idea that like we're not gearing towards classrooms explicitly like mm -hmm. by focusing on the beginner we're benefiting classrooms because they are where beginners tend to go yeah um there's more beginners than experts we're, and we're also yeah. not saying this is only for educators either right 
right. because I, I think that that's a different that's a curriculum right. that you're using state guidelines so someone can pass a test. Yes. We want someone to use Python in five minutes right. and make something right. blank. That's way different. And I think by focusing on the beginner, we're finding these things that are these magical moments of like, whoa. Yeah. Right. Like, what like, do you mean it just works on a Chromebook? What do you yeah. mean? Yeah. Actually, you're also what do you mean came, the you came code? up with the idea of having a QSpy Flash or Spy Flash chip. Remember, we were thinking, yeah. like, we need storage. I remember. And we'd actually been using Spy Flash for something else. I think we were talking about having an SD card slot. And then you said, well, what about putting an SPI Flash chip on there? And like, like the ESP has. And I was just like, you know how you hit a good idea with Lamar? Like, she lays it out overnight and then has like, a prototype the like, next day. When you wake up and there's a board and we have a coming soon yep. on our show, it's like, well, okay, that's how. <laughs> No, because I was like, so how am I going to really no backing out of it. Because that was the problem yep. we had was like, how do we have space? And you said that, and I was like, oh my God, because I was using them, those chips on another uh, product. And I was like, I already even stock these. Yep. So it was like, <laughs> it was a done deal. I was like, Yeah, and that's how you got Express. So okay. two, two megabytes and we had Express. And so for, focus on the beginner. Yep. So other things that you did. That so this is this is focusing on the beginner. One of the challenges. This is actually two things. Yeah. One thing is people have trouble getting to their error messages. So if you have a product that has a built-in display like the Pi Portal, we'll show your errors on there explicitly. And then this is actually also in Spanish. So uh, there are lots of beginners who don't speak English, and we want to try to get their language wherever we can. Uh, but we still want to teach them Python, so Python keywords will be in English. Uh, although that's an interesting experiment as well. But, yeah. Um, I remember when we were talking about this. I, I sent an email and I'm like, "Hey, you know, multi-language right. messages. We should we should well, do this." And you, Python supports Unicode. And, and you had and already said like, "Yeah, out. like this is what." Well, I, I think the catalyst was Mu. Like was. Nick listed Mu in multiple languages, yeah. and they're like, why isn't and we, the yeah. thing that they're interacting with also doing it? I think yeah. when so, he yeah. was when he was doing Mu, I think it was like, hey, check this out. Maybe we yep. should think about this. And we, yeah, I, I think I just dropped everything and I did it right. That's then. how you know like Scott. I, that's how you know it's a good idea for Scott. You dropped <laughs> everything. But it was just yeah. like looking at something because Nicholas Entol, for those uh, who don't know him, he works on he, he worked on because uh, this is like a, a kind of a small group of people. He worked yep. on. Um, the microbit yep. and a lot of things that people know microbit for and so, MicroPython and so he has Moo. Moo is an easy desktop editor, yep. and he really thinks about the user and beginners. And right. he's a music uh, teacher. Teacher, yep. and I, I really like his approach and philosophy. In fact, he's doing a lot of stuff with us. He's doing PiperCard because it's like a HyperCard-like thing. Mm -hmm. But the uh, the other part of this is uh, I, I think the other ma this is almost one of the more magical things. Oh my gosh, seeing error messages on a screen when you're doing like IoT stuff or anything. Yeah. So you added terminal. Yeah. That was that's that's this right here. And this, this is, is new. Yep. This was something that does MicroPython doesn't have. No, no. Yeah, this is no. and this is built into the core with display IO. So yeah. So like, you have to play the same tricks so of just like USB, like it has to last across yeah. you you actually running. Yeah, account. it's very was, it's very clever. It's it funny, made like the display code, stuff take a while but it was yeah. worth it like you right. can create the display in your code and then after that three lines runs the terminal pops up and you have yep. it's just, just like so <laughs> weird if you're not you know if you're a developer from compiling compile languages it's kind of and so we're all about usb but there's also some other things yeah this is the future bluetooth i just snagged this off the store but i i wanted to talk like we're running out of time. We have a time constraint, if you don't realize we're rushing. But um, the gist is that people who are growing up with computers today, 
do not start with a laptop or keyboard. They start on a mobile device. Yeah. They get a phone from their My parents. nieces, they get a hand-me-down phone, and if we want to get them into programming, we have to have a story on how they can code from their phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what the next year is going to be. But that also, that also um, it, it has twofold. One, yes, younger people, some younger people or, or people who are, who are in developing countries who don't have laptops right. and, and computers. There's accessibility. Some mobile phones have better accessibility than yep. laptops. It also means that people can work on their projects mm-hmm. anywhere. Almost right. everybody always has a mobile device on them. Right. So it's like if you want to debug or work on a product, it's like you don't need to have specialized laptops and tools. It's like you can pull out your phone, yeah. pair it with, you know, securely, well, and then work on it. That's the thing with focusing on the beginner or accessibility features as well, is it always benefits everyone. Yeah. Like you can focus on it, but like you're not a beginner and you benefit from the auto reload, right? Yeah. Like, like those it. things that I, I did to design it. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I debug my code and then like as I'm developing stuff, I can, yeah. I can actually You don't even have it. to pull the window up. Yeah. <laughs> you could just look at the device. Or it's people like, oh, why is this working? And I can see, oh, I see. You know, the SID password didn't match because it threw an exception. And yep. for, you know, part of Adafruit is we have full-time support engineers. They're mm-hmm. able to help diagnose what's going on because even if you don't speak English, you can figure out the errors on your CircuitPython device and that'll help us troubleshoot yeah. it. So it's all those things that independently it's like oh that's neat that's clever but when you put it all together um, and now upcoming mobile devices so mm-hmm. uh, right now here's what we're working on uh, iOS 13 beta now works with circuit python drives so, There's USB a, editing USB editing f- for sure we have the NRF 52840 mm-hmm. and the circuit play- playground Bluefruit Express is going to be like our yep. flagship board yep. and so that'll get us in iOS Chromebook anything that's Bluetoothable, right? You'll be able to use it, and it primarily focused on mobile. Yeah. So I would Chromebooks. I would do later. Yeah. Because they can do USB. They can do USB. Schools. Um, when we talk to the, the the New York City school system is so big. The statistic is something like when schools going on, like one out of ten children are in the New York City school system because there's so many kids. Um, when we talked to uh, the teachers there, they wanted something that had like LEDs and sensors can't download software though yep. also like we everybody uses python so they mm-hmm. went through this list and by the way can you make it like 20 something dollars and here we are yep. and, and the next thing that's going to be needed is mobile because mm-hmm. some schools only have tablets right or they and some kids only have phones yep. um, we do see some like alpha geek uh, uh evidence that's already happening so people are going to defcon and a lot of people are bringing only their phone and they have a circuit Python powered badge, and they can mm-hmm. they don't even need a laptop. So we're we're getting very close already. Mm. Um, so that's that's your talk. That's that's the thing that you that's did. That's the talk. Yay. Yeah, so got some good work. questions, and uh, you can look at the blog post for yeah. a recap of those. So that's your Twitter handle, Tanny. Yep. People can email me. Yep. And CircuitPython. And uh, CircuitPython.org. Okay. Kay. So other other future stuff that that we want to do, uh, go into more chips. Yes. So more, more chips. More platforms. We're yeah. starting to look at STM32 with the teeny USB port to start. We're really yeah. excited mm-hmm. about the RT1062. The TC4 yeah. just came out. It is the fastest, cheapest chip. Uh, ESP32S2, which is coming out has in USB a couple support. months, maybe, yeah. has USB support yeah. and Wi-Fi. So yeah. then we'll have a USB Bluetooth chip, the 840, ESP Wi-Fi, ESP32 for USB Wi-Fi, and then 
um, the RT 1062 for like ultra fast. High Cortex. speed USB. High speed, yeah. high speed everything. That's what I want, well, high speed USB. It's also got like built-in graphics controller, so you can just yeah. control gigantic displays, which will be yep. super cool because I feel like you can do a lot with the UI stuff you've been working on and like, yeah. there's a limit to how big the 8-bit displays get. Like they're right. actually, they don't get bigger than 320 by 480. Right. You right. need to get a TFT driver for the next mm. step up. Mm. Okay. Lots of exciting things. Yay. So thanks for being part of CircuitPython Day. Thanks for having it me. It worked out great. We had our, all over the videos yesterday. We had a video with Katni. Mm -hmm. And now this, uh, this, this historic video about the history of CircuitPython. <laughs> right. Yeah, we also did a lot of networking this year mm -hmm. with Wi-Fi, yeah. Bluetooth. But yeah, more and more is coming. And it's, it's amazing. It's only been really two years of solid CircuitPython development. Yeah. And we, you know, building on MicroPython, we've come so far. Yeah. Like we're able to do stuff now that was took, you know, a decade with other microcontroller platforms. It just the yeah. evolution of the code and structure. But we've learned from mm -hmm. all of them. Like I feel like yeah. we're not making the same mistakes, which mm -hmm. I think is like yeah. really cool. Yeah, I think everyone new mistakes. Yeah, I think everyone yeah. deserves That's to okay. make new and interesting mistakes yeah. instead of the same ones over and over. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So all right. Well, thanks out. everybody. And that is our Join Discord if you want to keep chatting about yeah. CircuitPython. Yeah, always happy to chat. And that is our CircuitPython day. Bye, everybody. Blinka, blinka. Bye.